Unbillable Hour Community Table, where real lawyers from all around the country with real issues they are dealing with right now meet together virtually to present their questions to Christopher T. Anderson, lawyer and law firm management consultant. New questions every episode, and none of it scripted. The real conversations happen here. For our first question, an attorney wants to know the best way to say no to referrals. Okay, so my question is, like, how do you say no to cases, but say no in such a way so that when they come back, if they have another legal issue, then they'll return to you? Great question. What are your area or areas of practice? Well, now I'm getting more into like debtors' rights where I'm protecting debtors and everything, but I have experience in doing like family law, criminal defense, and some other areas as well, too. But I don't want that area to consume up as much time as it used to consume in my practice because I want to focus on this new area. So I guess it's just trying to find that balance and saying no to them, but letting them know, hey, I'm doing this now. Yeah, fantastic. Just trying to find that balance, really. Yeah. So first of all, don't do what you just said. What state do you, what state or states do you practice in? Tennessee. Fantastic. Okay. I don't know, and I will not pretend to know the state bar regulations in Tennessee, whether or not you can get referral fees. I'll leave that to your discretion to figure out. So just take whatever I say regarding that with a grain of salt. It's not necessary part of the equation. So the first thing I want to say is congratulations on niching down what you're doing and wanting to do more of one thing and less of the other stuff. And I'll take it that you're not marketing for those other things that people are still calling you for. I'm not, but I do have, that's where my most of my experience has been in. So I'm not marketing anymore. Yeah, good. But some people just know you and they send you and people come. So that's great. So your goal, uh, is it, are you just solo? I am. Okay. As a solo, you want people to come to you for everything. You want people to come to you for everything. You want them to say, that's my lawyer. I call her for every legal problem. And quite honestly, they should call you for plumbing. And, you know, I, I needed some help this weekend. I was, I was making a rye bread and it didn't rise the way I wanted to. I should call you for that too. Seriously, because what you should be, this is, this is such a great opportunity for you. And this is why niching down is so powerful. Have you ever heard of a Team 100? I have not. This is a concept taught by Bob Berg, who stole it from someone else. I forget. I just learned this the other day because I talked, I put it into a talk, but now I don't remember who he stole it from. But anyway, it's as old as the hills, but it's a fantastic concept. If you don't know who Bob Berg is, get his books and you should read them. They're all short. They're all fun. The best two are Endless Referrals, which teaches this concept that I'm talking to you about now. And the other one's called The Go-Giver. And he's probably, I think he's got a couple other ones out there, but those are like the two best ones um, from Bob. I would read everything he's written. He's a good, he's a good guy. But the Team 100 concept is this. Get a sheet or sheets of paper and list the hundred things you most likely could refer business to. And if you, it's hard, it's hard to do a hundred. So what, I don't know if (laughs) some people listening are like, they're going to be like, I don't know what he's talking about. But if, if you do know what I'm talking about, get a copy of the, Yellow Pages. Um, it's an old book, an ancient book that we used to use in law practice. And it just flipped through it, basically. And if you can't come up with 100, you know, use the categories in the Yellow Pages. You'll all of a sudden go like, oh, yeah, yeah, taxidermy. No, I mean, whatever. You'll, you'll come across 100 things that you need. And, and what you can do with this is also include, as part of your 100, 
practice areas that you don't do, but leave one spot for debtor's rights and you put your name in there. Then you send this thing around to everybody you can think of and say, hey, everybody I can think of, I've created this thing called the Team 100 that'll help us all refer business to the best people in each area um, so that when people ask us for referrals, you know, we're always racking our brains. We'll have a list that we can go to for plumbers, wedding cakes, archery instruction, debtor's rights, family law, criminal law, blah, blah, blah. And you send it around and people put in their recommendations and send it back to you. Now, what is this doing? One, it's establishing you as a leader. Wow, this is going to be really helpful because then you're going to pass, of course, as you add names and you're going to pass it back. When you get two or three names for one slot, you know, pick the best one or put two or three names. Just make sure your name is the only one in there for debtor's rights. And then you pass this whole list back to them and you know you keep doing this round and round and round until you get the whole Team 100 filled out. Then, since you've done this, everybody that ends up in all the other practice area slots, you call them up. And you say, you know, hey, Matthew, I see that I ended up in debtor's rights and you ended up in business um, advice. And so, you know, I saw that you ended up there and I was just wondering if, uh, if, you, if it would be useful for you for me to refer you some business. Matthew would say, of course it will be. And then you ask him the key question, which is great, Matthew. Just tell me a little bit about what an A client looks like to you so that I know and can recognize them when it comes time to refer someone. I don't want to refer you to someone you don't want, so tell me what an A client looks like to you. And Matthew will tell you what an A client looks like to him. Now, hopefully at some point along here, Matthew will be not a total asshole and say, how can I refer business to you? And you'll tell him, but keep the, the conversation focused as much as you can on Matthew because Telling him how to refer you business has a small likelihood of actually working. Referring him business has a large likelihood of actually working. So you want to focus your conversation and focus your time on learning what kind of business Matthew wants. And then don't sit around and passively wait for that kind of business to come in your door, but scour your universe for an opportunity to send him some business and then do. And in the meantime, since you've had this conversation with him, when you come across an article, when you come across something interesting, the Chamber of Commerce has said something or issued something, or you've seen a press release, you just dash them off a quick note by email or preferably with note cards that you keep on your desk and send by the mail, because that's a pattern interrupt these days. Like, whoa, something in the mail. How interesting. And you stay front of mind for Matthew. And this all circles back to your question now, because you should never say no. You should say, I'm so pleased that you called me. I really respect that, you know, you think of me when, when you've got a problem like this. And, uh, you know, I'm not doing that kind of law right now, but if it's all right with you, I'd love to introduce you to Ella and make sure, and I will make sure that you're taken care of. And, you know, you've had this conversation, of course, with Ella before, just like you had with Matthew. And then, you know, maybe a week or two later, you might check on it. Matthew's job, and if they refer you business, your job is then, and this is the most important piece of this. In fact, let me just ask you if you if you know, because I just I like being I like I like doing the the paper chase thing. I like the little Socratic method. What's when Matthew refers you some business? What's the most important thing you should do? Probably send him a thank you card. I would nope. think no. You should do that, but that is that is the second most important, maybe even the third, but it's probably the second most important thing. 
Okay. What does Matthew want way more than a thank you card? I send him business, like refer him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the second most important. The third most important is the thank you card. But even more than sending him business, like we're all lawyers. What do we want more than anything? Ego stroke. <laughs> right? So, and this is so important. You should do something to say something great about Matthew for sending you the business to the client. It will get back to Matthew. You don't have to worry about it. It'll get back to him. And it doesn't have to be something big. But so sometimes, you know, like one thing I've done in the past is, oh, Matthew sent you, tell you what, you know, we really, the clients that Matthew sent tend to be really good clients. So my usual free consult is 30 minutes, but for clients that Matthew sends over, you get a full hour. You're going to give them the full hour anyway, but you know, you just make, make them look good. I used to, I used to have an airplane maintenance business. And when we got referred business by others, we gave those clients priority handling. And we had folders made up that said priority handling. Now, priority handling in that business was the red folder with priority handling. Everybody in our business got priority handling. But those people got a red folder that made Matthew look good. Because they came from him, they got priority handling. It doesn't, you know, just something to make the referrer look good. Which, by the way, without you doing anything makes you look good too. And so that's the most important thing. Sending in business, yes, absolutely. Thank you card, yeah, it's nice. You know, it's always nice to do that. And to keep them on a list, if Matthew sends you a lot of business, send him a gift. And of course, if your state allows it, you guys can work out referral fees. The end result of this is that you're never saying no. You're saying, I really thank you for thinking of me. I'm not doing that right now, but I'm gonna send you a referral. And, uh, but I want, you know, I want you to let me know if anything doesn't go, I'm gonna refer you. And I'm going to make sure that goes well. And of course, if anything doesn't go well with that, please let me know. I've got other people I can refer you to as well. But this is the one I've chosen, especially for you. And of course, if you need anything else, you always can come back to me. And Matthew knows, because Matthew's in your circle of of Team 100, that he's not to try to usurp your position as their go-to attorney. He's to do the business for them. And that's why you don't do this for people within your practice area, right? And this is why it's also important that you don't actively engage in these other practice areas because if you're doing business law, Matthew's going to be reluctant to refer you debtor's rights stuff because he's going to be worried, that, oh, and she's going to take the business law work too or family law or whatever it might be. So niching down is a superpower. It supercharges your referral capability and supercharges your ability to get those referrals back because people aren't worried about you poaching. So that is probably not the answer you were expecting, (laughs) but it is the real answer. Mm -hmm. Any follow-up questions about that? No, I just have to just digest and process what you said because you're right. That was not the answer that I was expecting to hear. Yeah. I mean, what what a gift that people call you. Why would we ever turn that away? You never know what they're going to come up with tomorrow. That's true. And every one that you would normally have said no to instead becomes an opportunity to make another friend and another relationship that will refer you business. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I 
happy24.cc and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. Find out how TimeSolve fits your firm. With six different ways to track time, surely one will fit, even on the go. Or quickly estimate flat fee projects. Batch payments for hundreds of invoices at once with TimeSolve Pay. Getting paid quickly is a great fit. And TimeSolve fits with the other tools you use. QuickBooks, LawPay, NetDocuments, LawRuler, Microsoft, all just plug in. Try TimeSolve free. Get a $100 Amazon gift card when you sign up. TimeSolve.com. The remaining two segments are a discussion on what to consider when opening a new office in a new location. So my question, or pick your brain on Insight, part of our plan in 2023 is to open multiple offices in Southern California. We were up in the Bay Area in Oakland, California. We're a real estate litigation law firm. We plan on becoming the real estate law firm of California and want to tap into the Southern California market. Looking at multiple locations in Southern California, but want to open at least one office by April. I'm wanting to pick your brain about what you see as potential pitfalls and insight about how to succeed in doing that in general, <laughs> just a big picture in a very short period of time. Yeah. So that's a big question. So let me, let me make sure I kind of, let's, let's try to narrow the question a little bit Absolutely. to see what you're actually getting at. You've got this real estate practice based in Northern California. You want to open up into Southern California and you're asking, what are the criteria for deciding our first next location? It's not even that. I mean, we have, we're working with our, my wife is our marketing director. So she's handling that. We are not IT people, but our Google footprint. So we're working on locations. So it's going to be Los Angeles, Orange County, and San Diego. Uh, We know that for a fact. It's more of, we're doing it like we, we have to get Google reviews to help build up the Google footprint. We know that. But just besides finding a location, what, like, I kind of think I know what I'm doing but I don't know if I know what I'm doing until I try doing it. But I don't think it's rocket science what we're doing, but just wanted to get your thoughts on besides identifying the location, not being in a place that does foreclosure and real estate litigation, obviously in the same building for Google footprint, but just have you helped anyone do this before and what issues that came up that they had to deal with or any insight you just have on, I'm trying to avoid making mistakes. I know I will make mistakes, but that's okay. I'm um, just trying to minimize that. All right. Still trying to narrow the question. So, cause, cause right now it's sounding like the question is I'm opening a new office. What do I need to worry about? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Everybody else put your hands down <laughs> for the next seven hours. Yeah. I, I think that's a bit broad to be quite honest. Okay. Fair enough. Um, what do you have to worry about? You have to worry about team. Like who are you going to put there? You have to worry about, yeah. I mean, you, you put your finger on a good one, which is making sure that you're the location you're in doesn't have, Google my business conflicts that would be that would be troublesome, but uh, that's that's really low on the list of things to worry about. Being convenient to you know, I think I think it's really a marketing question. So I think it really needs to start there. It's it's definitely a team question, but it's more a marketing question because as we know, you know, in today's day and age and through after the pandemic, you know, where we say we are versus where our team is actually working don't have to be carefully matched, and so we really can look at location more as a marketing thing. So let's dial back to the question I have to throw back at you, not being a Southern California expert, is where do your clients expect you to be? 
or more importantly, where are they? So who, who are your A clients? Let's start there. I think that's a great place to start the conversation. So our avatar for our clients, which you and I, we had a conversation in San Diego several years ago about this, is professionals, because we do a lot of real estate. So properties worth over a million dollars that have legal issues. And you, as you might recall, we do foreclosure litigation. We haven't seen the wave yet, but we anticipate with the recession and all that, that's going to pick up. So it's people who stretch themselves, but are also professionals and are having financial short-term financial difficulties and are looking for a short-term and long-term solution, but who can afford a $10,000 $10, retainer. And the case valuation is probably about twenty-five dollars to $50,000. Mm. So we're not looking at, when we say Los Angeles, we're not looking at inner city Los Angeles, we're looking at the Santa Monica's. We're looking at towards Brentwood, Beverly Hills, people who have issues but have financial resources to tap into to deal with some of these issues. Right. So now we're starting to answer the question. So, and residential, commercial, or both? Both. Okay. And again, not, so I'm going to take some wild ass guesses and this is something where you just have to turn back to your market. Right. And like, I would, like as a, I, I sometimes I like for this kind of stuff, I break out my product marketing chat bona fides, understand that like my opinion is actually irrelevant. The market knows the answer to your question as far as where you should be. And the market will tell you. And the, I mean, quite honestly, you just, uh, I think it, you can get a couple of guesses by calling people who might be your A client. I just, uh, you know, I imagine in your Rolodex, there's a few people who are your A clients and, you know, not trying to solicit their business, but to ask this very simple question, Hey, you know, if you were looking for a law firm that does what I do, where would you expect them to be? And they will tell you, I know my markets. Like I know in New York city where I would expect that law firm to be. I know in Denver where I'd expect that law firm to be. I know in Atlanta where I would expect that law firm to be, but I don't know in Southern California. So that, you know, I would guess Beverly Hills wouldn't be a sucky place to be um, for that, for instance. I mean, in all honesty, I mean, you know, that's, that's probably a really great place to be located, but probably even more specifically, there's probably a street. Um, I'll, I'll never forget when I first had my little law firm when I first was practicing in Athens, Georgia. You know, I didn't think, you know, we weren't in Atlanta, we were in Athens. I didn't think, you know, we're kind of a semi-rural market. And this man comes in from a much more rural place, a place called Elbert County, which is all the way on the South Carolina border. And he walked in and I asked him, I said, sir, why did you, it was an elderly gentleman. I said, why did you come all this way? There are lawyers in Elbert County for, you know, he had a relatively minor real estate problem. And he just kind of straightened himself up. He said, this is important to me. And I wanted me a Washington street lawyer. And I didn't even know that was a thing, but you know, <laughs> Washington street happened to be indeed there. That's where the law firms were. And, you know, for, for his problem, for his state of mind, I tell that story just because you know, that's what he expected. Like that meant something uh, that, it, you know, that the first criterion was Washington street lawyer. You know, the next criterion was, did I know anything? Like it was, it was literally that. So, so, you know, as far as location, I would, you know, that I would ask a few people, two, three, four people. And then we have to think of some sort of experiment. This is where your wife comes in, where we actually, you know, we run an ad or we run a, uh, we run, you know, just a short, not using your actual brand, 
but just uh, you run some some ad tests to see what gets the most response, what gets the most clicks. It's very low spend on something like this, uh, but uh, you can you can run a couple ads to just sort of get a gauge for what kind of floats people's boats, and then and then you go do it. So that's the location thing. Now, what else do I worry about? I think you're absolutely right to be worried. You know, with Google My Business and the algorithms these days, you're gonna have to choose the actual location, right? The fake mailbox addresses don't don't really cut it. You want to be in an actual location where you will stand out as alone in your in your space. Though you know that's certainly important. And then you, I, what I think for what you do and what the market you're going after here is like I would also be looking for a space, and this is something that, that I struggle with sometimes, where they're going to let you brand, right? So how are you going to be able to place your business as far as actual on-street visibility? Are you going to be allowed on the marquee? Are you going to be able to put your name on the building? You know, How else are you going to be able to be visible for, not for, and it's not like billboard level because you're not, that's not how you're getting business. It's for what I call verification level. These are people who already have made the decision to check you out. And so you just need to look the way they're expecting you to look. That doesn't, you know, you can do that for, it doesn't have to be a huge investment. There's, there are things that you can do to look the way that they're expecting you to look without having to, you know, you don't have to buy a building. Um, but you want to be sure that you don't get into a building or into a location and then find out you can't do those things. Your backdrop, they're expecting that. That backdrop, that's a lovely backdrop, by the way. You know, they're expecting something like that when they come in. They're not expecting to not see your name, right? So that's why a Regis or, you know, something like that's not going to work. Um, they're not expecting to walk in and just be in a generic IKEA furniture level office space. They're, they're expecting certain level of, of finish because, you're again, you're asking for a $25,000 retainer. You've got to have, you got to have some of the the things that they they would they would uh, be expecting to see. So it was funny. I just watched um, this weekend um, for the first time in a, in a number of years. I watched Catch Me If You Can, and uh, I always love Christopher Walken's day when he's talking to uh, Leo DiCaprio's character. And he's like, "Why do the Yankees always win?" And you know, his his conjecture is because they're pinstripes. Nobody can take their eyes off the pinstripes, and so that then the pinstripes connote that people expect them to win, so they do. But you know, I, I don't. I don't I'd say it with a grain of salt, but there's certain things we want to do, certain things we don't care about. Nearly 80% of people search for lawyers online. They visit websites and check reviews. If your site doesn't appear in the top search results or it presents poorly, you risk losing clients. That's why you must know how your firm stacks up on Google against the competition. See how your reviews impact clients' decisions and how you can get better results from your site. Get an unbiased marketing performance report in under a minute right now at Grow Law Firm. And that's growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. Once again, growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. Law Clerk's nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with the project-based work and also ongoing work via a subscription. Sign up is free, and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, Law Clerk has a new app for your mobile device to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code UNBILLABLE when you sign up at lawclerk.legal. 
I'm sorry. I, th- I feel like I'm drifting all over the place. But again, your question is really, really broad. Um, no, and I, and I think you've given me some little nuggets to, to yeah. help the, 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 the brain to start moving into that direction. So now I'm just going to speak from personal experience, right? So here's here, there's the question of, all right, what do I look for? You know, I open a new office every couple of months. So what do, what do I look for when I'm looking for a new office? And for me, it's team. Usually it's team driven. Um, obviously, if I acquire a law firm, well, that's where I am. Um, I might move it later, but I'm, I'm just there. But otherwise, I look at, all right, where where do I have people that I either have or want to acquire? And where do they want to work? Because the clients will come within a reasonable distance to them. And I want my team to be productive and to be close to where they want to work. And if they would just want to work from home, then I need a central location where they can come, meet clients, make copies, and do the kinds of things that uh, that you can't do at home. And that's a big driver for me is, uh, you know, and then it has to look like a place. It's sort of the same question as with the clients, but now I'm looking at team because as you probably know, and as you're growing, like still acquiring a player legal team is not easy yet. It's still challenging. You know, I also want, I also look at a place where that, that fits their image of the place that they'd like to work. And, you know, for, it doesn't have, that, that doesn't mean it has to be a class A space. In your case, maybe it does. It just, just means it's a place that they, that they would like to work, that they would be happy to greet their clients in that is close enough so they don't have major commutes that has the facilities that they need that you know that you're either able to put in your own facilities copying scanning printing conference rooms refreshments storage mm-hmm. and the like that will make them more productive so that's that's the other criterion that I look for so I'm looking for what do the clients expect what do my people expect and will what provides the infrastructure that will facilitate productivity that's great I love the question. And uh, I think th- those are some of the criteria I look at. Is that helpful? Absolutely. Because I think about where we are right now and I'm not a traditional law firm, but everyone loves working where we are now. We have 6,500 square feet. Yeah. So I want to replicate that, something similar to that in the new offices we do have. Yeah. And you probably don't need six, to replicate 6,500 everywhere. No. Um. <laughs> no. This is, this is the hub. O- yeah. o- the Bay Area, the Oakland will be the hub, provide support, but then have what you said, copiers, copper terms. So they can come into the office and meet with people. And if they want to work in the office, because I find like some people like to come in the office now. Um, yeah. Some people like to do hype. And so it's, 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 it's interesting as we grow where, you know, I have an interview at 1230 today with a potential new attorney. So, and she wants to work in a place where like it's a family type situation or a team oriented open air office versus cubicles or, you know, she works for AC Transit right now, which is, you know, it's like the, the normal, the bus system for open. So providing that kind of opportunity is kind of key. So it does, it re- reminds me to think about that. Yeah. And so to the last point, I think you just, you made me think of something else is that you don't know, I don't know what the expectations for office space are five years from now. And so like a caution, like try not to build out in a way that you lock yourself into one, one or another concept. Like for my businesses right now, going, you know, starting about two years ago and and going forward is we, nobody gets an office. We have closed door offices. We have open space offices. We have public area offices. We have cubicles. We have, we have a variety of types of space. And if you're coming in three or four days, you can kind of occupy one and people are probably going to leave it alone. But the overall overriding concept is that it's all hotel space. You can sit there. 
But if you're not there, someone else might sit there. And so, you know, don't leave your porn on the desk, I guess. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, uh, you just got, got to, you know, you, you leave it like you would leave a hotel room that you're going to be gone from for a few days that some, somebody else can come. Um, and, you know, our cleaning team comes in and sort of resets it all for that concept because, you know, people are, a lot of people are coming in two days, one day, three days, and maintaining space that's 60% empty is stupid. And it looks bad, right? So when you have clients come in and the place is a freaking ghost town, it doesn't look good. So, you know, having it so that when, you know, if you adjust it to sort of a hotel type space, it's always kind of busy and people are kind of working wherever they work. And it's also very collegial. And I, you know, it's so far, it's been a great experiment, but so that's been part of like our growth plan is would nobody, there's no permanent office space, even my desk. Like I'm not in Denver today. So somebody else is probably sitting at my desk. I am in Denver tomorrow. And says nobody better be sitting at my desk. <laughs> <laughs> but if they are, I'll go sit at somebody else's desk because, you know, it's, it's all hotel. Like I, my, my laptop comes with me. I just plug it into the docking station wherever I sit. And uh, just so, but yeah, you know, I'm not saying that's how you have to do it, but I think you should think about what are the opportunities that we have for people? What kind of spaces can they sit in? Are they going to have dedicated space? Is it going to be hotel space? Are we going to have more communal working areas for people that don't come in very often? How do we reserve conference rooms? You know, you know, we're going to be scaling to multiple offices. We need systems for how do we do do conference rooms? How do we do? How do we reserve even phone closets or whatever, so that we never run into a you know because we never can predict one day. Oh shoot, everybody came in today. Well, now we're screwed, right? So you know, ways to kind of lock that down so that people have can can expect what they're going to get. Yeah, we our conference room was full yesterday because everyone came in the office yesterday and there was not enough seats for everybody. Yeah. That's the first time that happened. So it's like, oh shit. Yeah. But it's a good problem to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. This has been the Unbillable Hour Community Table on the Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu slash interactive or download PLI's mobile app.